Do you want to make more Dynasty trades? Sure, we all do. Tune in once a week to the Trade Addicts podcast and see how easy it is to train to be a great Dynasty trader. At Trade Addicts Pod, thousands of men and women have prepared to win championships without sacrificing value. And now, from your phone, car, or computer, you can learn to increase your team's Dynasty value. Many topics such as keep trade buy, make amends, and trade addicts trades will get you ready to make your own trades. So make the important call right now and check out the Trade Addicts podcast. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yes, 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 yes. We are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I am Dan, that's Ryan, and we have Matt over there. And we are through week one of the NFL schedule, guys. It, uh... It's in the books. It was there were there were some highlights and there were some lowlights. Of course, we'll get to all of it. Episode five hundred and thirty three of the DLF Dynasty podcast is brought to you by the best and easiest place to play fantasy football. That's underdogfantasy.com. Matt Ryan, as I said, week one's in the books. I gotta ask right off the bat, Ryan. What's what's the biggest takeaway for you? I think there was so much bad quarterback play, especially mm. there were some disappointing players, obviously from a fantasy standpoint, from a dynasty standpoint at, at, across the board at all positions. Uh, but the quarterback play stood out. I mean, it, it was the young guys we love the Lawrence fields Lance group. I thought was all, all, all three were pretty bad. Uh, the veterans that we rely on to kind of, kind of bridge the gap until those young guys were ready. They weren't much better. Stafford, Rodgers, uh, pretty pretty terrible themselves. So, um, you know, you, you, we, we trust those veterans to get it turned around pretty soon, I think. Uh, the young guys, I'm not so sure about. Yeah, and then there's the Allens and the Mahomes, and and if you got them in your lineup, you're you're just smiling, right, ear to ear. Absolutely, Matt. Do you have a a main takeaway from the first week of fantasy football? You know, it's just it's it's weird seeing these offenses come out even more rusty than in the. I guess, I guess this is the new normal, the new normal preseason where we're going to have these three games, and we're, who knows. You know, every team's going to have their own different strategy for playing starters, not playing starters, working things out, um, all that kind of stuff. And it just feels like that preseason is really the first, you know, two, three, maybe four weeks of the regular season now that a lot of these teams are really not playing their starters at all. It just feels like the defenses are ahead of the offenses at this point. Um, so for fantasy, it's going to make it really challenging. It's, you know, we, we always say we got to embrace the chaos, uh, and, and, you know, react to the new normal and all those, all those kind of things. And uh, I don't know if we've, we learned a whole bunch in week one, you know, we have one data point we need to see what happens in week two and three to really kind of clarify and crystallize our, our projections of what's going to happen this season with these players, especially the young ones, as you mentioned, you know, we saw, Oh, go ahead, Ryan. Sorry, Dan. I saw a stat kind of related to what Matt's saying there and related to what I was talking about as well. There were 10 quarterbacks who did not play in the preseason. Hmm. Uh, they were three and seven combined uh, record <laughs> for those teams. Actually, I believe there were 11 uh, just to let it, everybody in on this. We're recording during Monday Night Football. So Russell Wilson was number 11. We'll see how that one ends up uh, here in, in, in a little while. But the 10 that played uh, through Sunday night were, were three and seven. Not, not good. Not good at all. Yeah, not good at all. And I mentioned Mahomes and Allen. Those were two of the quarterbacks that got snaps in the preseason and maybe worked out some of that rust throughout that, that time in August when they got on the field against other teams. Uh, there, there was some, certainly some bad football, but there were some good things, and we're going to talk about it all. We got some, some talk about rookies. We have our sleeper of the week once again this week. Talk about some risers and fallers in Dynasty ADP. Uh, we're going to set the line, of course. That's, uh, that's becoming a staple of the show here, and uh, we're going to try to finish the show by talking running backs. But let's hit the startup to get us going. The startup. 
Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway for me, and if you if you didn't notice, I didn't say mine. It's because I was reserving it for the startup. It it's probably patience, guys. We talked about it a little bit before we hit record, and specifically with these rookies, there there were a lot of players that got a lot of hype throughout the OTA process, all the way into training camp, and then through the preseason. That that disappointed thoroughly, right? They they uh, they really didn't come ready to play in week one, and and certainly there were some some big playmakers out there as well. The Jahan Dotsons of the world, Isaiah Pacheco, he had a big game, of course, for Kansas City. Kyle Phillips was great for Tennessee, but the disappointment list it it, it lasts a lot longer than uh, than those that really really balled out. And it probably starts, guys, with Damian Pierce, who, Matt, got so much pub throughout the preseason. And then just 11 carries for 33 yards, one catch for three yards on one target. I mean, the the, the snap data is is eye-popping, really. That, that was not the Damian Pierce coming out party that a lot of Dynasty managers were hoping for. No, not at all. And I was a little bit suspect of him getting you know, propped up, especially in week one with uh, the, the passing game volume. You know, we, we've seen him catch the ball a little bit in college, but we didn't know if he's going to do it on a high volume level in the NFL. You have a quarterback in Davis Mills who, you know, you would assume might be willing to check down a little bit more uh, than a more veteran quarterback, I guess. Um, but it didn't happen. One target, one carry for three yards, and he was ineffective in the running game. So if, if, if you have a – this is the problem with these running backs that aren't catching passes. If they have a bad game like this, they can't give you a little bit boost in the passing game with, you know, two, three, four catches and add add six or seven points to a bad rushing line if they don't get in the end zone. And that's exactly what happened to Pierce, you know. So the Colts are, uh, are obviously a very good defensive team, especially against the run. Um, so we'll have to see if he can capitalize against the weaker competitions in the week ahead. But right now, uh, like you said, practice patience with this guy and, you know, maybe back to the bench until we see something uh, in terms of starting him in fantasy. Rex Burkhead with 48 snaps on the field to Pierce's 20. Burkhead also ran 27 routes, Pierce just five. And and Burkhead got seven targets, 13 carries to 11. So Pierce was was half of that running game down there in Houston. I think there were a lot of dynasty managers that expected a bigger piece of the pie for the rookie uh, rather than the veteran that uh, that has been at multiple stops and, and kind of a replacement level veteran. Um, there'll be better days for Damian Pierce, but um, again, have patience. There were a handful of other names, Ryan, the George Pickens of the world, lots of publicity with him in the dynasty community. Just one catch on three targets did get a goal line fade that was... It was called defensive pass interference. Uh, that was that was probably a good sign. But again, the snap data points to those veterans being more ready to be on the field. Pickens, he ran a lot of routes. He just didn't get the targets. Yeah, Pickens, certainly a disappointment. I know I was definitely buying in there. I know Matt was as well. And, and I think we still are. You know, this is, the, I mean, the whole idea of the segment here is not to not to give up on these guys after one bad game, certainly as as rookies but i mean that's going to be that's going to be a crowded situation all year and they're going to have most likely have a bad quarterback or or below average quarterback play all year so uh, those two things aren't changing at least uh, barring some significant injuries at the receiver position so i I think this is going to be kind of what we see all year he's going to have these quiet games he's going to have a big game thrown in there uh, every so often, really kind of what we've seen from Chase Claypool through his first two seasons. Yeah, I think that's a really good comparison. Speaking of Claypool, it was a little bit surprising, maybe not because of the Deontay injury. Claypool actually played the most snaps, had the most route run, routes run for the Steelers. 58 snaps, 39 routes run. Deontay, 51 and 38, although he got the most targets at 10. George Pickens right up there with those guys, though. 45 snaps, 37 routes run. Uh, he ran a lot too. He was, he was the guy running, running downfield on a lot of those clearing things out for Deontay underneath. Again, there'll be better days. Um, I got to apologize to a buddy of mine, Joe. I told him to play him over Miko Hardman. That was, that was a mistake for, for good old Dan. Uh, lots of other guys to, to talk about here. You guys can pick a guy to talk about Alec Pierce, no catches, two targets dropped, Probably the easiest touchdown he, he, he'll he have in his career. Uh, that was a little bit disappointing. 
Uh, Sky Moore, one catch for 30 yards, didn't run a whole lot of routes. James Cook, just one carry for two yards and lost a fumble. Um, likely Isaiah Likely didn't have a catch but had four targets. He was on the field quite a bit. Christian Watson, two for 34, had a rush for seven, dropped the long touchdown to open that game against the Vikings. And then a couple of healthy scratches, Tyler Algier and Jalen Tolbert. Neither one of them even got the opportunity to dress for their game, Ryan. I, I don't think we can preach it enough. We have to stay patient. These guys, uh, we bought in for the long haul, not for week one of their rookie season. Yeah, and the, the majority of the, the players on this list were not even first-round rookie picks. So um, it's so easy to get caught up in rookie hype. And This year it was a little delayed, as we've talked about uh, on this show in, in, in the recent weeks. So to, to get frustrated with an Isaiah Likely, who you drafted in the fourth round or, or maybe picked up on waivers a couple weeks ago, to get frustrated that Tyler Algier wasn't even active um, and you drafted him in the middle of the third, just just have that, have that perspective. I mean, in Algier's case specifically, we saw Damian Williams get hurt. We saw Marcus Mariota run the ball probably more than they really wanted him to. Uh, so – Depending on that that Williams injury, Algiers is going to play next week and, and have the chance to contribute. So definitely, with all of these guys, be patient. Matt, did you have anything to add with any of these players specifically? Sky Moore, Alec Pierce, James Cook, any of the others? James Cook was. I mean, hopefully, it's just he screwed up real early on that first first catch or first carry and. Uh, you know, if they wanted to sit him down and be like, okay, okay, calm down. Um, but it does kind of scream a little bit of uh, a 300 monster with Zach Moss being involved. He obviously was ineffective on the ground, six carries for 15 yards, but he did uh, catch all six of his targets. Um, so it, if all three of these backs are going to be involved on a team that is just wants to pass the ball for the most part or have Josh Allen be the leading rusher, which is what happened again uh, in, in the opening game of, of week one, then you know maybe none of these three are going to be have provide consistent enough value for us. Uh, but like you said, patience. We need to be cognizant of that. But with Moss involved again, that situation is a little bit scary for me for Cook, at least in year one. This is a little bit off the subject, but you mentioned Zach Moss's rushing line there, and mentioned that that he wasn't very effective. I actually thought that's the best Zach Moss has played. He he, he really ran he hard. Like, yeah, he good. He, looked, he good. looked good. I was so surprised <laughs> that his stat line was was is such a negative. Yeah. And I've ho- heard so many fantasy analysts in the last four or five days since that game kind of dog Moss. And I thought his effort was an A+. And he got hit in the backfield nearly every single carry. Honestly, I thought he was more impressive as a runner than Singletary. And I've never been a Zach Moss guy. But, but the stat line doesn't really support that. I watched the game, though. I don't know if all those other guys did. Uh, guys, it's time for the sleeper stash of the week where we take a look at a player outside our top 200 in ADP that we think should make their way on your roster or maybe even in this case this week, perhaps even into your starting lineup because I chose Zay Jones, wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Zay Jones, 212 overall in our ADP and wide receiver 94. Those that have listened to the DLF Dynasty podcast for years know I was a big Zay Jones guy when he was coming out. I, th- I thought he got a raw deal at each one of his stops. And then late last season, he kind of came on. I was excited about the landing spot in Jacksonville. He was on the field a lot yesterday in that game. Six catches for 65 yards on nine targets. And most importantly, he got three targets in the end zone. He he was he was a big part of that offense. Christian Kirk had the most snaps at wide receiver, ran the most routes at 42. Zay Jones, 59 snaps, just five less than Kirk, and the same amount of routes run at 42. Nine targets, that matched Christian Kirk as well. He's their big play guy. I'm not just saying pick him up if he's a free agent. That's obvious. He should be on every roster no matter how deep your league is. I, I got redraft leagues with 16 or 18 players that I'm thinking about adding Zay Jones to because there's a chance that that he's on the field uh, full-time this year So um, and could make, make a big splash. He's certainly their big play guy. So Zay Jones all the way down there at 212. 
uh, in our ADP. Wide receiver, 94, and he's going to have his biggest year uh, so far in his career. And that's our Stash of the Week, brought to you by Sleeper Fantasy, the fastest-growing fantasy football platform in the world. Download their app, join a new Dynasty League, or migrate yours to their platform and enjoy how easy they make it to manage all your leagues in one place. Join millions of players today on Sleeper, the number one fantasy football platform. Dynasty Rankings. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about our Dynasty Rankings, guys. Um, coming out of week one, there's, there's the urge to not just react, but perhaps overreact to what we saw on the field and there are, there are dynasty managers doing just that, overreacting, selling a player that either got hurt or maybe disappointed. There are certainly dynasty managers as well that are trying to take advantage and uh, out there trying to buy these types of players. So let's talk about some risers and fallers. We're going to each choose one player that we expect to be moving up and down in dynasty rankings after week one. Uh, and then we'll d- kind of discuss it and see how we're reacting or overreacting uh, based on what we what we have to say. So, Matt, let's let's start with you. I really I really think you chose the best one, the most obvious one as far as risers, and certainly a guy that we need to talk about after that big performance on Sunday. Yeah, Saquon Barkley back as the running back one overall for this week, I believe. Uh, and it was he, he looked like the Saquon of old. Like everything he did, he was clearly engine of that offense. He was the focus of the offense, um, out there catching the ball, looking good, running between the tackles even. Um, so, I mean, he's – I was looking at this. And I wrote him down as a riser just because the performance was so good and so encouraging. Um, but if you look at our ADP, you know, he's already – running back nine. So, I mean, he's, he's, he's 25. So he's on that edge of where we start thinking about moving these guys down simply based on age, just ahead of Dalvin cook uh, behind Austin Eckler. You could probably pop up there, but then you get into the young guys like Brees Hall and Javante uh, and Deandre Swift and obviously Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor and these guys. So, you know, maybe not necessarily in terms of where we're drafting him, he's moving up. Um, but in terms of how we feel about him, how he's an every week starter for us, and 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 certainly his trade market, I would I would guess uh, are all on the rise for Saquon Barkley. Yeah, and it's it's it shouldn't maybe be a surprise, and probably isn't to a lot of dynasty managers. But he was the Giants' offense against Tennessee in Week One. Fifty-one snaps on the field, also led the team in not only routes run but targets and catches. He was he was a monster between the tackles, made a lot of plays on the edge as well. As you mentioned, finished the week, or at least to this point, the running back one with 18 carries for 164 yards and a score. Those six catches, though, Matt, you always preach, the guys who can catch the ball. And Saquon coming out of Penn State, that, w- that was his thing, right? He was going to be that pass catcher that was on the field on first and second down as well. Thumper between the tackles that could make plays on the perimeter as a pass catcher. Six catches on seven targets for 30 yards. And like I said, just the entire offense. So the question now, Ryan, is what do we do about this? We don't want to overreact, but we certainly have to react. Because if we're having a startup today based on week one and factoring all that in, Saquon Saquon isn't pushed way down like he has been in so many startups this offseason. There's going to be consideration way earlier. Well, I mean, it should have always been a question of health with, with Saquon because we we knew the talent was there. Uh, you know, one of the one of the top ranked recruits uh, of the past ten or fifteen years, one of the um, highest rated. Uh, prospects, rookies coming into the NFL draft and into the league of the past several years as well. And yeah, the injuries have not been good over the past couple of years for sure, but we kind of, we kind of lost sight of that talent because of his his health and, and his injury status recently. So, you know, that's, that's on us, whoever, whoever uh, was kind of valuing him that way, but you, you know, on his own, he should certainly be moving up. I mean, we're, we're talking dynasty rankings here. He is our RB10 currently. You look at the guys ahead of him, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, uh, Austin Eckler, the three players directly ahead of him are are all uh, older uh, than Barkley. So I think it's pretty easy at least to move him up to that 
RB6, RB7 range, if not higher. So that make it makes him a fringe first round pick uh, in startups. Um, certainly by the time the 13th, 14th, 15th pick are going off the board, you're considering Saquon Barkley. But as Ryan said, it's all about the health. We we're we're concerned about when when he goes hobbling off, how long is he going to be off the field and, and out of our starting lineups? Um, I got to admit, I might have I might have wrote off Saquon Barkley too early. He was very impressive on Sunday. We we did it with Saquon, but we didn't do it with McCaffrey. And I find that interesting. Maybe it's just because hmm. we saw just such the ultimate ceiling that McCaffrey offers, and he he did it a little bit longer. That we Saquon, we only really got that really that rookie season that was super explosive. Um, so maybe that's why. But it's interesting. I just think that we did it with him, but not with McCaffrey. I don't think McCaffrey ever got ever got out of the first round in in uh, our mocks. Did it, Ryan? Uh, one month, I believe, but not. Yeah, not yeah. not for long. Yeah, not for long. And he certainly, as soon as there was any kind of positive news, which we've had plenty of with Barkley, uh, McCaffrey shot back up there. So you're right. We've we've treated the two tailbacks differently for for a myriad of reasons, probably. Uh, well, there, my riser. Been, oh, go ahead. Uh, sorry, there has been a stigma around the Giants for the past several years. Good and point. I mean, that's that's certainly you know well earned, unfortunately for them. Um, but I think, I think the new coaching staff, I mean, we saw it, you know, we kind of saw it pay off already, uh, on Sunday, the new coaching staff is going to change things. And that doesn't mean Saquon Barkley will stay healthy. Uh, but I, I definitely think it means they're going to get the most of him out of him while he's on the field. Yeah. We'll see about that coaching staff. I'm, I'm not sure what's going on there. The whole Kadarius Tony thing, just seven snaps, three routes run. He there must be something going on there because he got a couple couple touches there as as a runner, I think it was. And both times I thought, or at least the one that I saw, uh, I, I thought he was he was the most effective player outside of Saquon and then then ran off the field and we didn't see him again. It was it was a weird situation with the Giants and the whole quarterback coach situation on the on the sideline. We'll see what happens there. Uh, my riser, guys, is Michael Pittman, and it, he's kind of a guy that I've wanted to talk to, talk about. I'd love to talk to him, I guess, uh, but I've, I've, I've wanted to talk about on the show for, for quite a while because, you know, we talk about those underdog drafts and how much time we spent doing those throughout the season, and it seemed like underdog managers were valuing Michael Pittman even higher than dynasty managers recently, which is... Which is kind of odd, right? Considering that Pittman is such a young receiver, just 24 years old, uh, considered a fringe second to third round player in in Dynasty. But there were times when we'd see him, Matt and Ryan, go in the middle of the second round to in, in some of these underdog drafts. And certainly would fall into the third from time to time as well. Pittman was incredible on Sunday. 81 snaps, uh really a full-time player, 13 targets, and just dominated, consistently open. He has Matt Ryan throwing him the football now, and the difference really shows. Pittman took advantage, nine catches, 121 yards, and a touchdown on those 13 targets, and really looked like an alpha receiver. Maybe for the first time in his career, there were times last season when I thought, Man, that that guy's really coming on strong. He's a little different than what I expected coming out of USC. I think the term alpha applies when you're talking about Michael Pittman. And Dynasty managers probably noticed on Sunday. Maybe we all should have noticed just a little bit earlier. Yeah, he's a guy I've I've been wrong on or been too low on really since he came into the league and and I, I'm ready to admit I've been wrong as well. He's going to be moving up my personal rankings. I think he should be moving up uh, consensus DLF dynasty rankings as well. He's down there at wide receiver 19. This is, he, he's actually one of the players where, where you'll see a pretty big gap in rankings versus ADP in our ADP. He's crept up into that wide receiver one range wide uh, right around wide receiver 12 or 13 uh, overall. But again, in, in our rankings, still down at wide receiver 19. So um, he, he's just going to dominate targets all year long in that Colts offense and uh, definitely deserves to be a riser. 
Yeah, riser for sure, Matt. If you're if you're considering trying to add one of these young receivers that you can build around for the next five, six, eight, ten years, Pittman's on that list. But what's the price if you're if you're trying to add him? I mean, there's no you can't get him for a couple of first random first round picks anymore. I don't no. think uh, you're gonna have to pay up. No, two first doesn't get it done anymore. Uh, I've seen uh, I have him a couple places and. Earlier this offseason, they were offered to me for like one first, and that was that was a, a rejection even me, even back then. Uh, so he's a two plus first kind of guy. Like maybe you want a prospect, but you know uh, something like I don't know one of these younger guys that haven't really produced yet. Maybe like Sky Moore or or uh, Christian Watson. Uh, on top of those two first, you're probably going to want some kind of player on top. Sure. Uh, just the prospects for a guy like Pittman. We know now he's going to be a guaranteed production kind of guy for us every single week. Matt Ryan, you know, is clearly utilizing him as the the primary target in the pass offense. And it's going to be that way all season long. Um, so, and he's been, he's been rising all off season and he's going to continue rising, I think, until uh, he is, he's hit that fringe first round uh, pick and, and startup leagues. I think he's a great player to try to pivot down to yes. from from a bigger name um mm. you know maybe that's Devonte adams or tyree kill yep. maybe those deals don't even get done or maybe that's a one for one a, a straight up deal um i gotta tell you guys if i've got cd lamb and i can get michael Pittman <laughs> and anything else i'm doing that i think um so there's there's a lot of names in our rankings and in adp uh higher than than michael Pittman that i would consider uh moving for him in some type of deal yeah you mentioned adams and tyreek i'd throw uh, uh stefan diggs into that conversation yes. as well yeah. that i don't think that deal's getting done though i don't think you can do that one straight up right now because uh buying those years is a little more expensive than a straight up swap uh when they're when there's a four-year difference and Pittman looks so good you know those top five receivers guys we, we shouldn't do this show without mentioning chase Jefferson, Cup, uh, AJ Brown, Adams, AJ Brown. Oh my gosh, those, those elites, those, those truly alpha receivers. They were awesome in Week One, and it was so impressive, impressive to see those guys play so well. Um, let's get to yours, Ryan. You had another receiver that maybe is a little bit more affordable on your your riser. Yeah, I did. And, and well, before I get into that, I, I, I got to cheat like Matt here. I've, I've got so many names that I wanted to talk about here. I, I won't yep. get into this, this duo too much, but uh, Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown. I just thought both of those guys were amazing. It, it feels like not a week one fluke, but something that's going to continue all year long. Um, they're, they're already valued highly in rankings in ADPs, but I, I still think some, they have some room to, to grow and climb I, there. Uh, I have to add one thing because I love that you added him in here. First of all, Hertz's day should have been so much bigger. He like, yes, he had receivers tackled at the one, or I think he even got pushed out or tackled at the one once yep. uh, on a rush. And those would have been huge fantasy points. So he should have had a massive day and, it, and he had a great day. He was a top five quarterback. Uh, AJ Brown is, is Terrell Owens. He looks I don't know if it's the Eagles uniform, but I saw him <laughs> on his first catch and I thought, oh my, he's bigger in Philadelphia than he was in Tennessee. And that's not just the coaching staff and the offense and the quarterback holding him back. A.J. Brown looks like a true beast in an Eagles uniform, and I don't know how anybody's going to cover him. Well, Are you guys sweating was- the, uh, the wide receiver nine uh, outside of the top nine that yes. you made a couple weeks ago <laughs> yes. now? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm out. I, I, I want to undo. <laughs> cut cut pace somewhere else (laughs) cash out on that one um yeah it's i mean a lot was made of the Derek carr Devontae adams best friend kind of narrative and you know that's great and it it looks good through one week that adams was just a beast again uh even in in the new team with the you know with the lesser quarterback but I mean, it was kind of a, a similar story with AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't know they were. I didn't know there was. They were somehow best friends. But once that trade went down, that was the story that was shared that these two guys, <clears throat> uh, you know, grew up together or whatever. But basically, they're they're best buds, and uh, I think I think that's going to benefit AJ Brown 
and Jalen Hurts really all season long. That's three. That's three uh, elite receivers in a row that we've we've now had this like best friends breakfast narrative on. So maybe that's all we need to figure out in the off season these days is just figure out who who the buddies are at quarterback and receiver and proceed from there. Yeah, as a Packer fan, I I need Aaron Rodgers and and his guys <laughs> to go go Aaron have Rogers brunch. Have any friends, Dan? Come on. <laughs> you mentioned AJ Brown, Devontae Smith. If there's a disappointment or a fall or holy cow, uh, three targets. Uh, I don't think he had a catch. It, he got the he goose, did didn't he? No it was that was ugly. There'll be better days, I think. But there's reason to worry because Hertz only throws to his BFF. Ryan, you had another guy though that I I wanted you to talk about. Yeah, the one I really want to talk about is another player that I've I've kind of been a doubter on, and I'm I'm already changing my mind. I'm on Ross St. Brown. Uh, you know, such a dominant end to his rookie season last year, and. Uh, there were so many excuses about that, that Swift was out or, or Hawkinson was out or, um, you know, the, he doesn't have a high ceiling. He's just a possession receiver. And now they bring in Jamison Williams and they, and they sign Chark and um, none of that matters. He, he's a wide receiver one. Um, Rich Rebar had a great stat earlier on Twitter. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown has eight catches, eight plus catches in seven straight games which is just one behind the all-time record held by Michael Thomas and Antonio Brown. So that's the company that he is keeping right now. Uh, put up a monster game against the Eagles, uh, which is considered one of the best defenses in the league. Uh, and, and that was, you know, the, that game looked ugly uh, early on, but, but the Lions made a great comeback, and St. Brown was a big part of that. Uh, 12 catches, I'm sorry, 12 targets, 8 catches, 64 yards, and a touchdown. So uh, just, just a player that I really think will be a riser. He is currently the wide receiver 30 in our rankings. Uh, he could jump 10 spots. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if his teammate DeAndre Swift can rise anymore, but I was pretty impressed with him too. That, that Lions offense is good, but their, their defense is equally bad. That was, that was tough to watch for sure. Let, let's get to some fallers, guys. And Matt, you, you kicked us up off on the risers. Once again, you probably got the, the one that a lot of dynasty players are thinking about right now. Who's your faller? Yeah, I, I went with Trey Lance, and I think we have to, you know, we have to, we have to look at We have to acknowledge it, right? We have to acknowledge it. We have to acknowledge it, but that, I mean, you, some of the camera shots on that game, you couldn't even see the field. So, you know, I, I can't imagine what it was like out there trying to throw passes and stuff. So we have to forgive him a little bit for that, but the reveal was not good, right? It was the, the passing wasn't there for the most part. He did have a really, a couple of really nice throws. I thought my favorite one was the little 20 yard out to, I think it was Ray Ray McLeod. He kind of split two defenders on that throw, which was an impressive throw that, you know, that's the kind of throws we want to see him make those really accurate, precise throws that just weren't there all the time. Uh, and uh, he certainly led the team in rushing. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's saying much with Elijah Mitchell going down Jeff Wilson Jr. Clearly struggling, um, but he did come through and that way adding five and a half, five and a half points or so to our fantasy title, finest fantasy lineups. But um you know, under 50% passing, no touchdowns through the air, interception, uh, didn't really activate any of our, our players in fantasy, if, unless you started Juwan Jennings in, in week one. Um, but Brandon Ayuk had a nice deep pass, and that was it. Samuel had had eight targets, but really didn't really connect on any of them. And the, the, the Debo that we thought was not going to run the ball anymore was the best, best running back again. So uh, we'll have to see how he continues to develop it at quarterback eight. Uh, in our dynasty rankings, uh, that seems a little bit high price from what we've seen in week one and might have to consider moving him down uh, a couple of spots at least. Yeah, maybe move him down a little bit. I don't know if it creates a buying window yet. Um, no, there's so. there's going to be some big, there's going to be some some hollering from 49ers fans for Jimmy Garoppolo if this becomes a trend and, and he piles games back to back. Uh, maybe that's an opportunity to buy Trey Lance down the road, but he, he didn't put great things on film. There was weather and all those things though. I'm going to double down on the 49ers. My guy is Elijah Mitchell. And before the Mitchell apologists jump at me about, about choosing him when he got hurt after a great start, I think the fact that he, he went out of that game so early and, and suffered another injury, which is going to force him to miss time. 
That's a knock on Elijah Mitchell. He hasn't been able to stay on the field quite as much. Currently, the running back 24, and a lot of dynasty managers are thinking after his rookie season, that's a bargain this offseason. But once again, he's on the shelf for multiple weeks, most likely. And um, despite the the positive um, four or five carries that he had against the Bears early in that game, I just can't look at Elijah Mitchell without thinking to myself, this guy gets dinged up and he's and he's off the field quite a bit. And on top of those uh, missed plays, those or those those missed games last season, he missed plays. Right? There were times when he hobbled off and he'd come back into the game. And I don't like to throw that injury prone term around all that much. But Mitchell seems like he fills that that kind of uh, typical injury prone player that that is always on the sideline or missing games every single year. He's going to be an effective player. But dynasty managers need to start thinking that that he's a 12 to 13 game guy on the top end, potentially. He'll be effective when he's on the field. But there's also the risk that early in the first quarter, he runs off the field and you take a goose egg because Elijah Mitchell, with his, his great upside, also has a very, very short floor. Ryan, you picked a running back as well. Speaking of goose eggs. Yeah, uh, yikes. Yeah, this is... Uh, this is, this is probably in some ways the biggest dynasty story of the week. Uh, Cam Akers just Mm. gave us nothing, literally nothing, literally nothing. gave the Rams nothing, no yardage. I believe he had, uh, I believe he had three carries, three carries, carries, no, no positive yardage. Um, I mean, we, we kind of got warnings about this, um, through the uh, through the preseason, that it was going to be a a one a one b situation. They would uh, there would be a committee with Daryl Henderson, who has certainly had his success over the past couple of years. I mean, I think Cam Akers uh, managers and, and believers just kind of laughed at that. And right now, they would love to have a committee because it it was not a committee. It was Cam Akers is clearly the backup. And right now, not even close to to playing a significant role in uh, in that Rams offense, and uh, it's a little scary. But I mean, when you really look at his at his career in that rookie season, started out slow, had an injury, missed a few weeks, came back late in the year, and the last month or so, really put up some nice numbers, and basically had three or four good games in a row. That was all we needed to make him a first round dynasty startup pick a little over a year ago. Then he gets hurt. He loses value. We kind of know the story there. He regains value. I mean, there, there's a real conversation of, is this guy really any good? Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, he had, he had three or four good games and maybe if he hadn't gotten hurt uh, a a year ago, maybe we would have figured this out then that he's not, not an elite talent. Um, whether it's the blocking issue or the lack of blocking um, or, or, or whatever it might be. I mean, th- I, I think he's probably the player who lost the most dynasty value through week one. Oh, by a long ways. I, I think there's a chance that he, he lost double the dynasty value of anybody yeah. else through week one. And I think there's a good chance, guys, if Kyron Williams doesn't get hurt on the opening kickoff of that game, that Cam Akers is the number three running back and we never see him on the field. I think he got Kyron Williams work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I think that. that's very possible. Uh, Kyron Williams going to miss a few weeks. So, I mean, as, as crazy as it sounds, maybe that gives Cam Akers a chance for, for a role in that offense. Not, not a starting role, but a, a chance for some consistent carries. Uh, the other thing we, we kind of heard this Friday and Saturday, uh, at least I saw a little bit of this talk of if Cam Akers is this bad, just wait until you see, you know, what does that tell us about James Robinson? Yeah. James Robinson is going to be a bust. And and I totally bought into that because, I mean, he got he had that injury like at the end of last season. After come, Akers. Far after Akers. Oh. Um, after Akers was back on the field, I yeah, think. Yeah. <laughs> this comeback for James Robinson – and not just the not just the play that he the the quality of play he had on Sunday, but just to get back and be active 
is probably more impressive than Acres, honestly. And, and certainly his play on the field was was way better. Uh, he's <clears throat> he's pushing one of our other favorites, uh, Travis Etienne, down. Uh, Etienne, another player who he, is who is losing dynasty value. Etienne dropped the same pass that that J- James Robinson turned into a touchdown. Like it's. It's. I think. I feel like it's bad for, for ETN right now. And James Robinson. I, I'm never betting against him again. Like we bet against him in the pre-draft process. We bet against him at the Achilles. I mean, he's not. Obviously, this is not comparing the the players. But Adrian Peterson. I remember him coming back from the ACL when we thought that that was still a major and that was still a major injury. We bet against him then, and he proved everybody wrong. And now James Robinson did it with an Achilles. So uh, he's somebody I'm not betting against again. Yeah, certainly impressive what what Robinson did, and he he looked very effective in that game on Sunday. Uh, Guys, I think we got to move on here. Hey guys, let's play a game. Yeah, let's let's not only play a game, let's set the line because this is this is one of the funnest parts of the week every single week for us. Uh, Matt, you've been keeping track. How's everything? How, how's everything going as far as our our bets in week one? Everything's everything's finalized, right? Yeah, everything's in the books for week one. Uh, Ryan put out there Brees Hall under seven and a half fantasy points. I took the over. You took the under. Whoops. And uh, yours, Dan, uh, this one was a bait one that like, I didn't even give a second thought to. I was just like, whatever, Dan's doing some weird like he did with the playoff team one <laughs> or season long one. But yours was that there would be a player to score a touchdown, uh, but finish under 7.99 fantasy points. And I think you said that happened multiple times. The one that I noted was Jody Fortson, 7.1 yep. fantasy points, I believe. I'm sure there were other ones. I took yes. the over on that. Ryan took the under. Hey, you said I baited you, but is it? I'm competing against you guys. I'm trying to get you guys to lose, right? Yeah, I guess I played it wrong, like for mine. So I'll just throw mine out there. Mine was Christian Kirk over 50 receiving yards. And, and this is the, obviously the wrong way to play it, but I threw one out there that I thought was certainly over. Uh, and then you guys certainly both took it. So uh, he finished with 117 yards. Um, you gave us an easy one. I did. I gave you a real easy one. So Ryan finished the week 2-0. and I'm 1-1. One and one. Dan, you're 1-1 one and one as well. All right, so let's uh, let's set the line this week. And Ryan, since you're leading in the clubhouse with a two and zero record, why don't you give our give yours to us first? Sounds good. We're going to talk about Mike Williams. Mike Williams was another big disappointment in Week One. Uh, just three fantasy points, uh, one catch for twenty yards, or two catches for ten yards. It wasn't good. It was three fantasy points. He was way down the list, despite. Keenan Allen going out of that game early. So uh, Keenan Allen with the hamstring injury, they play the Chargers play the Chiefs in week two. That's on Thursday Thursday night. night. Short turnaround. Keenan Allen has the hamstring injury. It's not looking great for him to play. Mike Williams has played four career games without Keenan Allen in the lineup. And he has averaged 20.2 fantasy points per game in those four. So that's the lem- that's the number twenty point two fantasy points over or under for Mike Williams in week two. That is a big number, but he was so disappointing, right? Uh, so many dynasty managers slid him into that wide receiver three, wide receiver two spot and felt great about it, and then and then got the big three point zero in their in their score for the week. That's a tough one, Matt. You got to lean. I got to go first on this one. I, I'll, I'll go uh, yeah, first. This, is, this one's really tough. Like after we saw what the, the you said they play the Chiefs, right? On Thursday? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So and what should be a good game and they're going to have to throw the ball, right? Well, what we just saw the Chiefs defense do to Arizona and Kyler, another team we were excited about uh, who has, you know, really one pass catcher we sort of trust in Marquise Brown right now. Um, and it's a kind of a similar situation where we have just Mike Williams to trust. Uh, I'm going to... I think it's highly likely that he goes over it, but I don't have a great feeling about Mike Williams right now. So I'm just going to say under. Mm. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of things that could go wrong. Uh, for the record, Mike Williams had six games last year where he exceeded 20.2 fantasy points. Yeah, just six. But but he already got one of the unders out of the way <laughs> in week one. <laughs> uh, man, that's a really good line. It sounds like such a big number. But when you consider... He should be the number one, and he should he, he should uh, get peppered with targets. 
The Chiefs are considering him the number one as well. I think I'm going to follow Matt's lead. I'm going to take the under um, because it feels like Williams disappoints far too often in these types of situations. You mentioned that the average was 20.2. Do you have the low of those of those four games there, Ryan? Uh, I don't have it with me now. All right. All right. Well, you look that up. I'll go and I'll, uh, I'll give mine. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was one of the biggest disappointments of week one. Had a horrible showing. Of course, if uh, if his big-time rookie receiver, uh, Christian Watson, would have made a catch, his stat line would have looked so much better. Um, did not throw a touchdown in the game and most likely scored under five fantasy points for your fantasy team in, in week one. He scored 4.7 as an average in the three leagues that I looked up. Um, Aaron Rodgers over under for week two against the bears on Sunday night football, uh, one and a half touchdown passes. Ryan, what do you think? Is he going to throw more or less than one and a half touchdowns in week two at home on Sunday night? Yeah, that's a good line as well. Um, the Bears didn't give up. Uh, I don't believe they gave up any passing touchdowns in That's week right. one to Trey Lance. Unfortunately, uh, it was it was pretty nasty there. But I've heard it's supposed to be raining in Green Bay on Sunday night as well. So kind of factoring that in. Um, I, I mean, I, I feel like Rodgers is just going to come out as as angry Aaron. He's going to be ready to play. Uh, the Vikings are are certainly a good team and a contender. So I don't know that. Um, you, you know, I don't know that, that you look at that as, as a terrible loss. Uh, the bears are just, just not good despite their, their win in week one. I'm going to take the over on Aaron Rodgers' passing touchdowns. Mm, okay. You, you kind of went waffled, went back and forth a little bit there. It felt like you yep, were going towards the under with the rain information. Maybe you're trying to bait Matt into an under, uh, Packer fan, Matt, what do you think? <laughs> Uh, I don't know what game was worse than last last season's week one against the Saints where Jameis Winston tossed five touchdowns on him or, or this one we got here. No, that was uh, worse. It was, it was, last it, year it was probably worse. worse. Rodgers was uh, not, if I remember right, was not great in that game uh, either. Uh, he came out in week two against the Lions, however, and threw 255 yards and four touchdown passes. Uh, I don't know if he's going to get to four this year, but I think he's going to get to more than a one and a half. Uh, you know, unless the weather is just just absolutely awful. But I'm going to bet on Rodgers and say over one and a half. Oh, well, I'm a Packer fan, too. So I'm going to be hoping for the over. But if he <laughs> if they win and he hits, he just throws the one. I'd be all right with that. You guys can take the L. Uh, Matt, what do you got for us? All right. Uh, Alan Waddle and Tyreek Hill in week one, they combined for thirty five. Point seven fantasy points. Hill had eight catches, 94 yards and a touchdown. Waddle had four catches, 69 yards and a touchdown. Uh, in week two, they play against Baltimore, who Joe Flacco, you know, he didn't have a great game, but he threw for a lot more yards than I thought he was going to have. Uh, so we'll see if Tua can have success against them. I'm going to set the line for the combined fantasy points of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle in week two at 37 and a half fantasy points. Mm, that's a big, so uh, an improvement on last week's number when and Hill and uh, Hill and Waddle both had big games. That Waddle touchdown was impressive when he split those two safeties. It looked like the Patriots were thinking the Dolphins were going to sit back and, and just try to get it in field goal range. So they brought those safeties up. Waddle's too fast for that. Split the safeties and scores. I was not impressed with Tua. And I, I watched that most almost every throw that Tua made. Um, that happened to be that the what? game that I turned on at lunch today. So I, I really thought that he missed opportunities down the field. That being said, those opportunities were there, right? Tyreek was open a couple times down the field. I thought Waddle was as well. That's a big number. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say they're, they're under, not by a lot, most likely, because they're gonna, one of them will get loose for a big play. But I'll take the under, Ryan. What about you? What's the exact number again, Matt? 37? 37.5. So uh, the Ravens lost Kyle Fuller. Cornerback Kyle Fuller tore his ACL mm -hmm. uh, in week one. He's out for the year. That alone is is almost enough to push me 
to the over, but yeah, it's it's just such a big number. I'm I'm gonna go under as well, reluctantly. Reluctantly. All right. So the lines are set, the picks are in. Uh we'll see how we we if me and Matt can can catch Ryan this week and uh try to get try to get to the well you can't because we all agreed so oh (laughs) we really did we agreed on every single one i guess one of you dlf tools of the trade all right guys we don't do this one very often but it's a fun one to talk about talk about the tools on dlf and we're going to use the dlf trade finder matt as well as the trade analyzer to look at the trade value of some running backs and their adps that fell from from this time last season, right? Yeah, there there are two here. The, the, really, the the inspiration for this segment, I guess, is we're we're teams, we're we're fantasy managers that like to build around the wide receiver position, and we're also all good fantasy managers that are all competing, right? So we're really looking for that cheap running back production, especially the cheap running back two production. Maybe you have a hero RB kind of setup. Uh, you have a stud in place, but you need somebody to put in that running back two slot that's not going to be too expensive uh, and is going to provide a nice base level of points for us. So uh, in addition to that, you know, we have these tools on the site. Uh, it's good to highlight them. If you're looking for trades in your league, two of our best tools are the trade finder and the trade analyzer, not only to see, you know, check in on, you know, the value of your players, but to maybe generate ideas for trades within your league with other players. So you guys feel free to jump in here at any point. I'm just going to throw some some things at you that I've found through this, through this little bit of research here. Um, but the two players in question here are Miles Sanders and Antonio Gibson, both players who have taken quite a tumble. Uh, over the last year and the last offseason as well, but both had pretty good games in in week one. Uh, Miles Sanders, this time last year, was running back 18, 44 overall. Now he's running back 36, 110 overall. And Antonio Gibson, running back seven overall, a first-round startup pick, uh, the 12th overall pick a year ago uh, last September. Uh, now all the way down at running back 29 and 87 overall. So uh, the- these these numbers, are, go ahead. This is the like who's who of running backs that have fallen from grace that are yeah. that are part of that like punt RB2 philosophy and get what you can later on in a startup. Um, when I think of taking on a veteran that has lost value and hope you can get a couple of years out of production, these are the guys that I think of. And Miles Sanders really encapsulates that kind of train of thought and those thinking you mentioned his ADP a year ago at running back 18, it doubled all the way down to running back 36. And, you know, honestly, I, I watched so much of that lions Eagles game guys. And I felt pretty good. If I have Miles Sanders on a roster and I have to start him in week two, I'm feeling pretty good about his role in that offense uh, they, they were interchanging those three running backs in and out. And all three of them, I think found Pater in the game, but Sanders was the first one through. And I, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but it's a gut feeling that, that Sanders got the first opportunity because he was the guy they wanted on the field. And I think there was a chance that maybe, maybe Sanders got his run and then they were ahead. They had a two touchdown lead, two score lead there. And that's when Boston Scott got his touchdown. So, so maybe it was let's let's hold off on the thumps on our starter in quotations, Miles Sanders. And so, so really, I feel pretty good about Sanders and the value that you can get him at right now. I gotta say the same for Gibson. He looked pretty good for Washington. I I know there's the the cloud over his head that is Brian Robinson. He'll be coming back, but. If, if you have Gibson and Sanders as your RB2 and RB3 through week one, you feel pretty good about those two guys. Yeah, and Gibson, you know, we got to see him used as a receiver. Like the whole thing was J.D. McKissick is going to limit uh, limit his upside as a receiver. And, you know, that's still a pro- probably the most likely outcome on a week-to-week basis here. But we saw uh, Gibson really used as a receiver. Uh, he had that nice post pattern, didn't score a touchdown on it, but I think got down inside the 10. Uh, he, he lined up inside and went out and hit that post. And he looked like a receiver out there, uh, just like he used him in college. So I don't know if that kind of usage is going to continue for Gibson. Um, but you know, the, the, I think the, the, he's kind of bottom now, you know, we talk about in, in financial markets, the bottoms, but when we want to buy low, I feel like really feel like Gibson has kind of reached that bottom. I know Robinson is co- coming back and he's going to, 
uh, going to take some touches away from him. But it feels like maybe he's restored a little bit more faith from the coaching staff with this performance. And he's a value right now. Uh, using the trade analyzer, we can look at the value of these two players. Um, if you look at Miles Sanders, the players around him just ahead of him are the 201 in, in 22, 2022, assuming you haven't had your rookie draft for some reason. Uh, but James Cook and Clay Chapel just behind him, Tony Pollard, Ramondre Stevenson, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, and then for Gibson, he's just between a, 20, a late 23 first and a, 20, a 24 first. Uh, also just behind Allen Robinson, Elijah Mitchell. I, I don't know. You talked about Elijah Mitchell earlier, Dan. I think Gibson deserves to be ahead of him potentially at this point, especially with no. an injury. And then Definitely. just ahead of Leonard Fournette and Darnell Mooney. So I feel like both these guys are value. If you can get them for a second round pick right now, a late second round pick, because you're a strong contending team, it feels like that's probably a pretty good use of your uh, capital. Yeah, I, I like everything you said there. I'm on board with both of these guys. I think even, um, I mean, we'll see kind of what the coming days bring as far as the discussion around these two, but it feels like even after pretty positive games for both, there's still a lot of negativity about the players, about their value. You know, I saw a lot of sell high on Antonio Gibson, and I feel like I like uh, Brian Robinson as, as as much as anybody can at this point. Mm -hmm. He's no sure thing. I mean, he is he is not locked in that he's going to come in, come back from this injury and and push Antonio Gibson to the bench. And you talked about Gibson's receiving uh, work in week one. Eight targets is a new career high. Seven receptions ties his career high. And, uh, and 72 receiving yards was the third best game of his career. So um, I you don't want to put too much stock in into one game as we've said with all these discussions, but it is definitely promising for Antonio Gibson led the team in rushing and receiving and had eight targets to JD McKissick's three. Yeah, it, it, it's really, it really is a good conversation to have at this point because both of these guys, I, I think there is an alternative path for these guys where, where if this is their best game of the season if, if if they have a down game in week two maybe it starts to head the other way but if you're going to get the the value and the, and the discount you have to do it now most likely you're going to have to go out there and try to get him for that second round pick right now so because in a week if they if these guys score another touchdown are used yeah, as much as they were that that price becomes a high second or maybe a second plus a young player that hasn't proven himself or something like that so I, I'm on board, both of these guys, at their cost right now. Feel like good investments for a contender. At the same time, guys, it does feel like each of them, there are reasons for a rebuilding team to take that second-round pick as well and, and try to get something in the future. Before we get out of here, guys, are there any, any final thoughts, anything else you got to add as we go into week two, Ryan? Um, I really feel like the the theme of the show has been patience, and in in most cases, I think uh, I think that's where I am with with the players. Whether it was a surprisingly good performance uh, like like Gibson or Sanders, or maybe some of the poor performances we talked about earlier, um, it, it was just such a weird week. It was such a weird week of football. First one back, of course, and I think I just want to see what week two brings before I start making any any waves in the trade market. And maybe maybe how Monday night football goes cuz Geno Smith <laughs> is is tearing things up as we speak, man. <laughs> uh any final thoughts for you? Uh, I don't not not really. I, I'm continuing to look at these um these kind of ambiguous backfield. I think it's a new lexicon brought to us by JJ. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think that's the most interesting thing right now for me, uh, go, coming out of week one is seeing how these, these, these have played out and how they will continue to play out in the future, whether we're talking about Washington or, or Philadelphia, like we just did Seattle is playing tonight, Denver, you know, with the young stud and the old guy who's there's still, still plenty splitting carries pretty much right down the middle, uh, the, the LA situation, uh, the, the Jacksonville situation, there's just so much going on here. The Jets, we didn't even talk about really about Brees Hall and Michael Carter, but that's a really interesting situation too. So these these kind of situations are really like what I think might be making fantasy champions this year. So I'm paying attention to these backfields. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I really love the, the theme of the show, patience and seeing how things play out. There are so many teams that I looked at this week that were bottom three or four scorers in the league. 
And those were, were some of the teams that I thought were contenders coming into the year. There, there were just too many studs that, that disappointed in week one. That won't be the case in week two. Go to, go to any season and look at those big, big games in week one, and you don't see the, some of those names once again. Follow uh, all of us on Twitter. Ryan is at RyanMC23. Get Matt at MattPriceFF. I'm at DMiler22. And get the podcast at DLF podcast questions of the week uh we'll continue to do that throughout the season give us your thoughts um on on set the line if you got an idea for set the line let us know about it we might get it on the show as well for everybody out there that listen thank you very much we appreciate you every single week and we'll catch you again in week two thank you for listening to the dlf dynasty podcast Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.